Newsworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. everybody, it's Upworthy Weekly, and I'm Todd Perry, a staff writer here at Upworthy. And with me is Allison Rosen. You know, Allison is the host of the super popular podcast, Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, and Childish with her co-host, Greg Fitzsimmons. Hello. How are you doing today, Miss Allison? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm just going to let them peek behind the curtain and uh, the way we used to do the show, I didn't get to hear the music live. You would put it in after, a little bit of post-production magic. But now I get to hear it live, and it's making me so happy. Yeah, I know. It, it really sets the tone for the show. You know, and, and previously, we were doing kind of like a um, green screen thing where we're looking up yeah. at a ball that's supposed to be like the Eye of Sauron, but it doesn't really exist. Right. Exactly. We had to lean into our acting training to protect, like that wholesome alert thing. People might not, I don't even know if I should reveal this. This might, you know, this might, people were like, I hope that this doesn't just ruin the illusion. Ah! See, now I'm hearing it for real. But in the past, I had to just pretend I was hearing it. It's like, um, it's like acting with, uh, like Roger, just to pull a very timely reference, like in Roger Rabbit, where <laughs> some of the people are real and some of them are, are, you know, animation, well, imagine what it was like for the actual actors, none of whose names I can remember. Who was in that movie? Uh, Charles Bob Fleischer? Yes. Bob. Oh, no, Charles Fleischer was the voice of Roger Rabbit, I think. Right. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. So they were acting against nothing. That was me against the wholesome alert. But now I can actually hear the things in real time. So expect some Emmy, Oscar, Grammy, and Tony-worthy worthy performances. And we also have drops now. Right, like what do you have for me today, Satan? You know. Yeah, um, can't yeah. wait. So, and, and we have a very dramatic sweeper that this was not my doing. But it just happened to be in here. Now, there's been a lot of talk, mostly on Twitter, about our different sweepers. Some people preferring the old one, which sounded like an F-150 was driving right yeah. by your ear. You know, old school radio stuff like this. Oh, my God. It's too much. <laughs> You're listening to 103.5, and uh, <laughs> the phrase that pays is coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, so, yes, we've got we're, – we're slowly improving uh, – up, what, what, up. what didn't even need improvement? I mean, we were already at the top of our game, and now we're just going even above and beyond, Todd. It's too much. On today's show, we're going to review some of Upworthy's most popular and engaging stories from April the 11th to the 15th. Allison Rosen, what do you got? Well, this first story, very... I mean, this one... Buckle up, folks, because this one has some wild wild hairpin turns. I don't even know if you're ready for this. A guy emails a hinge matches grandma, or so he thinks, for permission to date her. So hinge, which you might know is one of these one of these apps the young single people are on to find dates and love connections. So this guy matches with this gal and she says you need to uh you need to ask permission from my grandma. And his name is Zane, and he says, okay. So he emails her grandma uh, and asks for permission, and then she writes back, 
uh, this very whimsical. And in my, this is just my opinion. My opinion is her response is insane. But the internet did not share my opinion. The internet thought this was like in uh, very lovely and whimsical. And the internet went, it went, went uh, over the moon for her whimsical, silly response. So this is what the grandma said. Hello, Zane. And by the way, there's random capitalized letters. Capital Z, small a, capital N, small e. Hello, Zane. While you seem like a nice gentleman, capital G, you cannot take my special granddaughter away from me to Italy. Also, I dated a man from Pennsylvania back in the 50s and now stay clear, capital A, of that state. But with all of this aside, make sure the the fettuccine Alfredo is gluten-free, capital T in gluten. You have my blessing and better make sure this date is as fun as her cousin David's bar mitzvah coming up in May. Now, the internet went nuts for this whimsical grandma's response. It went viral, lots of memes, lots of responses. Everyone thought this was so sweet. What is your response to this, Todd? Uh, well, the weird capitalization is a little, you know, it's a little oh, weird. Oh, yeah, people started trying to decipher it, like, what is this grandma secretly saying? Yeah, but I think that it's actually better than, say, when my mom, who's, like, grandma age, sends me an email, and it's, like, all caps headline. Like, <laughs> it's, like, I it, it, I read it like the Trump meme where he's yelling at the kid mowing the lawn. Yes. And it's, like, <laughs> did you know you need to bring a salad for Easter? You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, everything is uh, is an emergency. So anyway, everyone thought this was sweet. I read it and I thought this grandma seems addled, and I just feel like it just struck me as sad. But then, and here's the part where I hope everyone's buckled in. Lo and behold, it turned out it wasn't really her grandma. It was her friend posing as a grandma. I don't know if you read this coda to the story. It wasn't so. I I don't know if I don't know if they were just playing a prank or if they were like seeing if he was really willing to jump through the hoop. But he was a good sport about it, and he's like, "Okay, good. I can return the suit that I bought for David's bar mitzvah." <laughs> well, you know, the giveaway might have been the gluten-free line. Because yes, you're right. I don't think grandmas are concerned about gluten. Well, first of all, I don't think anybody's concerned about gluten anymore. Like, it was killing half of America, like, five years ago, and now everybody's back on the gluten. You know, it was like... Yeah, well, the pandemic happened, and suddenly everyone had to make bread, and you couldn't even get yeast. I have, like, a giant sack of yeast. I shouldn't even reveal that, lest (laughs) I become the victim of some kind of smash and grab or something. I have a huge thing of yeast in in our pantry because we couldn't find yeast, and all I could find was, like, an economy size month later i i want that to be your next podcast allison rosen's big sack of yeast (laughs) that just sounds like someone negatively reviewing my current podcast like this is just a big sack of yeast (laughs) also playing coachella next year allison rosen's big sack big sack of yeast Um, get get into bread making at the beginning of the pandemic. We had a friend who made bread and was very talented at it. And I I considered bread making, uh, but never never pulled the trigger. I did a few times because my friend Wendy posted a recipe online and and she has four kids. And she was like, this one's like pretty easy and always makes decent bread. So uh, I made bread a few times. 
And I was doing a carb-free diet at the time. So I was like, this will be a fun activity to do with Elliot, who was three at the time. The whole point of making bread was for Elliot. And I found myself getting really frustrated. And I couldn't (laughs) wait for him to go take a nap so that I could, like, finish it properly. And I was like, oh, I have found a real weakness in my maternal skills in that I do not have the patience to bake bread with my three-year-old because he's not good at it. He are there any mess. are there any three year olds that are good at it? You know, they say like Mozart <laughs> could play piano. You know, at three it was like composing. Yeah. I mean, is there a kid that like is is making amazing bread and it's like it just rises appropriately and it's got right. that nice crack in it and Yeah. I don't know. We need to go like what was Julia Child doing at three? Was she doing some kind of amazing bread or something? Probably not. Yeah. You know, Allison, let's say that um I mean, let's let's talk about the future when, unfortunately, a large anvil mm. uh, may fall on the head of your husband, uh, Daniel. A, a mm-hmm. situation we've we've talked about many times. If you if you don't get many the reference, times. if you don't get the reference, you have to go back to one of the first shows. But if you don't get the reference, welcome. This is your first episode. Yeah, we have, we're happy to have you here. So uh, what what I'm saying is. If you wanted to play this email prank on some guy that you met mm-hmm. on Hinge, who would you have them email? Who would you set it up well, to? Well, I hadn't thought of it if, as, a, as if I was doing a prank. Mm. Who, the the, the um, approval they would really need to get would be my children, the, one who, the ones who can't bake bread. Um, although now that I think about it, maybe that again, not great parenting to, to like bring my kids into my dating situation. So I'm going to go ahead and say they need to email my friend Izzy. You know what? I'm going to have them send two emails. (laughs) One to my friend Izzy, who is my mom friend, because I feel like she would be a good just judge of like what's going on nowadays. And then I told you that I recent I think I told you that I recently reconnected with one of my really good friends from college who I had not been in touch with. And her name is Jeannie. So they're also gonna need to email Jeannie because she uh is a good like she can she knew me from way back when. So I think together they would be able to tell whether this person would be a good match for me. Whether she's uh, whether, whether he's you know, Allison worthy, worthy up to the exactly, yeah. I was thinking actually, I would have you know if let's say again you know my wife was just walking down the road and somebody hit a detonator and a large amount of TNT flew up from the ground and she just immediately shattered into a million pieces, just blood and guts everywhere. Uh, if that Boy. were to happen to my wife. Mm-hmm. And I was I was on the hinge. Um, I would actually have them email you, Allison, and and I'll oh, I'll say why. I'm I think yeah. I think you are a good judge of character. I think you're good at sizing people up. Um, I think you could make sure that like the person isn't a narcissist because usually when we're not recording the show, we have a conversation that goes, "Are they a narcissist?" And we talk mm-hmm. about people and decide, "I don't think they're a narcissist," or. They're a total narcissist, you know? Right. And, and so you'd make sure that, like, I wasn't gaslit, 
by my <sighs> paramour or I wasn't groomed by my paramour uh, or ghosted, like any of the, the three Gs that can go wrong <laughs> on a hinge date, I think you'd be able to right. figure that out beforehand. Yeah. Um, I proudly and seriously take this responsibility. So thank you, Todd. Yeah. I almost hope I, I mean, <laughs> I don't want your wife, I don't want this to happen to your wife, just as you don't want anything to happen to Daniel or Danville, as he's sometimes called. But thank you. For, I'm honored. I'm honored. Upworthy Weekly. People Fancy. are shit. I, I know. I, do you see how satisfied I looked when I hit that live? I know. I did see that. Did I? That, you know, as English. Smug say, almost. Yeah. A little chuffed. I'll say that. I've wondered how that's pronounced because I've only read it. I mean, it could shuffed. be. Could be shuffed, but. Or shoofed. <laughs> I was yeah. Oh no. <laughs> it's probably Schuft and that that guy that puts a new review up every week when I mispronounce something is going to Yeah. He's going to have a field day with this one. So, no, I think it's probably chuffed and it what does it mean proud or does it mean boastful? Uh yeah, it's pr- it's like a it's a positive pride. Like, oh, you know, I felt pretty good about that. Not like uh, you know, your Mufasa, you know, I will imbue you with pride, my son. You know, it's a mm. it's a good, like, I was pretty chuffed, you know, like, it, it was nice. Like that stoked. The, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, people are sharing the one American non-president that they'd add to Mount Rushmore. Now, Allison, did you know that the sculptor of Mount Rushmore selected the four presidents to represent the nation's birth? George Washington, growth, Thomas Jefferson, development, Theodore Roosevelt, and preservation, Jimmy Carter. I didn't know that. I'm sorry, Abraham Lincoln. So, uh, a Reddit... <laughs> you- <laughs> I... <laughs> uh, guess who wasn't totally paying attention? That'd be me. <laughs> You, you've been back from vacation long enough that you should be I know. In. I'm sorry. Maybe you're just not that into history. I. You know what? Sometimes I'm not, and like that's not okay. And I'm also not that into geography, and I'm also not that into sports. But you know what I'm really into? The show Severance on Apple TV right now. But that's not what we're talking about. Go ahead. A Redditor asks which non-president should be added to Mount Rushmore. And they gave a bunch of uh, replies as to which... So this is like, the you know, not a president, but another American out of the... I looked this up. Do you know how many people have been Americans since our country was founded? Oh my God, I bet it's a lot. Yes, 545 million people have been Americans. Wow. Where did you look that up? I, I found... It was like some weirdo math website kind of thing. Hmm. And so what happens is the number one, I I ranked 20, but we're only going to go through a couple. The number one person that got the most votes was Dr. Jonas Salk, who invented the polio vaccine. Hmm. I'm going to do my own research, but okay. Yeah. And uh, the number two one was a joke that I didn't get, and I doubt that you'll get because I don't think you're a big WWE person. But they said it was... um, 
John Cena, who's already on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I don't get that. Yeah, because I guess. Oh wait, did he did he beat someone named Rushmore or something? <laughs> Rushmore, great wrestler name. Yeah. You know, like oh oh, here comes Mount Rushmore and like this big like <laughs> right. guy with four heads, which is weird, you know. Yeah. Um. No, uh, I guess there's a whole there's a meme that it's like John Cena is like. You don't see me like he gets you without you paying attention. That was how he re- when he wrestled. Oh. That was his thing. So I don't know. I don't know. It took me like a half hour out of my life to figure out why people thought that was funny. But that's because I'm an elitist who doesn't watch wrestling. Um, the next <laughs> one was Dolly Parton. Mm. Usually shows up on these lists. Uh, Mr. Rogers. Uh, I like that one. We can all agree was a good good guy, and uh, finally, and this one I thought actually was my personal favorite. It was Mark Twain, um, mm-hmm. the writer. And so I, I began thinking to myself, let's say that I was to construct a Mount Rushmore here in Long Beach, maybe carve it in the side of Signal Hill, um, and then who would be the four? And I'm going to ask you the same question, Allison. So I I'm hope ready. you thought thought deeply about this. I know it, it hurt your brain to think about history. Um, but I was thinking, like, who would be the four people on the non-presidential Mount Rushmore that I would do throughout American history? And so I thought, okay, there's four heads on Mount Rushmore, right? So I'm thinking there's going to be four people kind of representing different things, right? So I thought, like, maybe American innovation. You know, like, you have a, like American innovation in business is a big part of America. Uh, then you have the arts, a humanitarian, and then a sports figure would probably be like the four ways that, you know, you'd do it. So I figured for innovation, it would be Thomas Edison's head, right? And for the arts, I was between three people, and it was either Louis Armstrong, who was like, the, you know, the the goat of American music, you know, the greatest. Uh, sure. Or uh, Walt Disney, maybe. Or Mark oh, Twain. Good. Or Mark Twain. And I think I went with Mark Twain because I feel like his books, like Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer, are like just kind of one of the core things ever produced by America. Mm-hmm. So is jazz music and Bambi. But uh, I had to go Twain, and I just thought he would look good in a mountain as well. You know? And then I thought for a humanitarian, uh, Harriet Tubman. Because, you know, obviously if, you know, you could go MLK maybe or Eleanor Roosevelt. But then I went Harriet Tubman because America's original sin is slavery. And that's mm-hmm. like, that's like the worst thing. And she was there and put her life on the line. So I thought that would be good. And then for sports, I'm sure something that, that you and I could argue with uh, through the end of days over uh, light beers uh, would be, <laughs> I'd say, uh, and chicken wings. Mm. Uh, would be I would I put Babe Ruth, who uh, was a football, oh, uh, yeah. was a baseball player for the New York Yankees, and I was right. Mm-hmm. It was like that or Jackie Robinson or Michael Jordan. I couldn't figure it out, but like Babe Ruth, that his big over the top personality, and was like the bi- first big major sports figure. So that's who I would carve into Mount Rushmore. Allison Rosen. Well, listen, you put a lot more thought and time into your answer, but I did write my answers on the back of an envelope uh, from Cigna 
I receive these, this is our health insurance, and I receive mm. a lot of mail from them. And <laughs> when it is addressed to my sons, I just, it says confidential at the top, and I take it and I just go straight into the trash. I don't even open it up because I'm like, I really don't need to read what it says. Yeah. I uh, hope that's not a mistake. Anyway, MLK, the first one, okay. obvious reasons. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I went Emily Dickinson. I wanted to do oh. someone from literature. Uh, my first thought was Shakespeare, and then I'm like, well, he wasn't American, though, so that is not mm. going to work. Uh, and then I thought, who Debatable. is a great... Uh, I would like to hear your side of that debate. Well, I mean, Shakespeare... Well, there's always these things where they go, But who like, was Shakespeare, really? Yeah. That, it's mm-hmm. always like, no, it was this gardener that wrote everything, or right. it, it was some other guy. His, was American, like, his American gardener. Right, his American gardener, who is an indentured servitude, right? right. His American gardener from Albuquerque. That's right. And uh, he, he wrote it, all of it, um, and then Shakespeare just took credit, right? Or they're, or they're like, right. it was a woman who wrote all or whatever. There's always yeah. people trying to say he didn't do the thing, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, look, there's a lot, you know, uh, so many American greats. That that could be in that spot for a person of letters, uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne. Uh, mm. You know, oh my God, I can't believe my brain. Uh, oh my God, leaves of grass of of grass, not Wordsworth. What's mm. his name? Thoreau. It's a W. Well, Thoreau, Emerson. Those are all. They're all great too. But no, um, it's. Ooh. I can't believe I'm blanking it. Emily Dickinson. Emily Dickinson. No, it's uh, leaves of. It's not words. Oh, my my mouth is saying Wordsworth, but it's 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 a W name. The one who wrote uh, Leaves of Grass. It's. I gotta look it up. I gotta look it up. It's gonna it's gonna drive me insane. Uh, We contain multitudes. Um, Bob Dylan. Oh, Bob Dylan would be good too. Oh. Whitman, Walt Whitman. Walt Whitman. Oh, yeah. William Wordsworth, Walt Whitman. They need to work on not having the same name. One of them's English. Uh, anyway, Whitman would be good. But I, Emily Dickinson. Let's get a woman, a probable lesbian. Let's get her up there. I love her poetry. And then, you know who we need? Snooky. We need. Oh my God, Snooky. Party's here. Let's bring the party to Rushmore. Yes. No, I didn't choose Snooky, although she's such a good one. Um, oh, I kind of want to get Snooky up there now. No, um, I chose Todd Perry and Allison Rosen because oh. we represent podcasting. Mm. And we represent different wings of podcasting, even though we're very similar very yeah. very similar yeah but still we're two different people mm-hmm. we sh- we you like mariah carey's christmas mm. song i don't like mariah carey's christmas song you have tortoises i don't have tortoises you meditate naked i think that's a bad idea because it sounds so cold yeah what else yeah. do we disagree on um, um I think that's about it. I think pretty much we're straight down the course. Uh, yeah, huge. but other than that, right. So, oh, you, oh, 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 here's one. 
you like Pike Place, and I think that's one of you know what in Hawaii I I I was forced to drink Pike Place. I think that's one of that's one of my least favorite Starbucks blends. So I think we gotta rep we gotta have the two different sides of podcasting on yeah. Rushmore. So MLK, Emily, you, me, and then maybe Snooky if we can get a fifth up there. You know, I I think that as I think we can look at both of what we've done and we can say there there's good people on both sides, you know. <laughs> yes. And that's and that's all that matters. Very fine people. Is yes. Very fine people. Upward exactly. Um so here's a story about parents sharing the eeriest things their children have ever said and I like this one. Because uh, I think I've mentioned before that Elliot, my five-year-old, is a goth. He is, like, fascinated. <laughs> he doesn't wear all black and makeup yet, but he is fascinated with all things Halloween. Currently, he wants to decorate for Halloween, even though it is March. Um, so this was uh, this, this really resonated with me. Um, so this started with a tweet by a woman named Lila Sturgis that went viral. Uh, and she wrote, what's the eeriest thing a child has ever said to you? When my daughter was around four or five, she calmly insisted that she had once been married to a man named Brad Huffington. When we asked what had happened to him, she replied with a note of sadness, he was lost at sea. Uh, and so, so she, she tweeted this. And then people started responding with lots of... Uh, of eerie things their kids had said, and I just chose a few that I thought were great. Wait, uh, so here's this, one. this little girl was like a a young Shirley MacLaine. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Many no. yes. So there were tons of responses, um, and some of them, you know, parents are thinking that like this is evidence of reincarnation, or their kids have lived many lives, things like this. And some of them were just spooky. Um, so here. Uh, okay, here's one. A friend's child insisted on sleeping with infant sibling, explaining, quote, the baby still knows how to talk to God, and I am forgetting how. Wow. <laughs> Weird. Wow. Okay, yeah. Here's a creepy one. Uh, standing next to a family crossing the street, and their youngest, maybe five, looks at me and says, I'm going to take your eyes. Oh. <laughs> no expression and not a single family member even blinked. I think about that often and it still shivers me timbers. Is that, uh, is that one of those moments where then you look around and you go, did anybody see this? Did yes. anybody, I need this documented. Did, did I just see that? I know. Did, I, did, did I just, right. like my brain malfunctioned and that happened to me? Yeah. And I, yeah. yeah. Uh, here's one more. We took my nephew, five at the time, to the beach for a picnic. He immediately walked to the edge of the lake and just stared at it for a good half hour. We got lunch ready and told him to come eat. And this little effer slowly turns to us and goes, the lake wants a sacrifice. <laughs> These are like horror movie things. That sounds like some kind of like Norwegian thing, you know, like some yes. some kind of like black metal or like what do they call it? Norwegian? Right dark metal kind yeah. of observation just looking into a lake right it does the lake wants it. like yeah there should be a band and the translation of their name means the lake wanted a sacrifice that day <laughs> yeah i was trying to think of anything my kids have said that's really spooky um and i can't think of like a specific thing that's akin to this but 
Elliot, so being that he's super into Halloween uh, and wants to start decorating for Halloween. So we got Elliot who wants to start decorating for Halloween. And then we have Daniel who is a bit of a pushover. So Elliot wants to get Halloween decorations. So they just ordered a bunch of Halloween decorations. Again, I said it's March. It's not. It's April. It's Easter. So they ordered these styrofoam tombstones and these like hands on sticks that you stick into the grass. So it looks like there's hands coming out of the grass. So basically we could be we could be all set up for Halloween. So we have these styrofoam tombstones and then Elliot's been painting them and he wanted to sleep with the tombstone on his bed and he wanted to put the tombstone at the foot of his bed. Oh, that's creepy. But I don't, we don't think he realizes really like what the significance of that is. He just wanted to put it there. He just wanted, like, I don't think he really, really gets what a tombstone signifies, but it's still creepy. I really hope, hope he doesn't or else you've got like a young Peter Murphy on your hands. I know I'm telling you. And then also, um, so he's also fascinated by Disneyland and they talk, he likes to watch a lot of YouTube videos of rides and things like that. So Daniel was telling me that he kept wanting Daniel to tell him what they say in Pirates of the Caribbean, what the, I guess they say like dead men tell no tales, dead men tell no tales. And so then they were like joking around. We have, our dog is named Wendy and Elliot and Elliot said something like, Dead Wendy's have no tails. That is that's a little creepy. And then giggled. So <laughs> Wendy better be careful. <laughs> I was thinking my son uh one day he was staying with some friends. He was like at a friend's house all day and they have two boys, Bear and Sammy. And they're a little bit older than him and he just played all day right and just had the the most wonderful time at the friend's house and so then when we brought him home where he's all alone and he's a sad only child and as i've heard before you know it's uh wrong to have just one child um but if i reference that story then people are going to think it's a very terrible thing um listen back to the old shows folks uh so he was driving in the car with my wife and said i want to go live with baron sammy and you and daddy can go to the kids store and pick out another one. Oh, <laughs> like, what a so young. Well, that's, that's a, it's like, how do you know you're raising a young capitalist? Right. Welcome yeah. to America. You know, it's, right. It's not the stork or some kind of Grimm's fairy tales way that he came on. It's like we just went shopping, <laughs> you know. But I love that he's like he's looking out for you as well. Yeah. You can just get another one. Yeah, just fine. I'll and I'll be here, and it's you know whatever. <laughs> uh, so and then the, another thing he said yesterday actually, I was boring my entire family over dinner, but I cooked it, so they had to listen to me, and I was boring <laughs> them like talking about like the Raiders quarterback signed a contract extension. I can already see you falling asleep right yeah. now. And I feel bad I, for them. I know, and they're just sitting. My wife's just like, oh, like drooling, and my kids like just staring into space. No, my kid likes sports and stuff, so I talked to him about sports stuff. And then he goes, "Daddy, weren't you quarterback for the Raiders before you joined a band?" <laughs> and I was like, 
oh my god, yes. Like this kid is like he's telling he's repeating back my fantasy. You know, I was like, yes, uh-huh. I was quarterback for the Raiders in the early nineties, and yes, we did go to a Super Bowl. And then Paul McCartney and Prince wanted me to join the band, right. so you know we had to go off and do that, and I had to put my helmet away and, and call it a career. But yeah, I, th- I was like, no, not quite. But I it was <laughs> he he was being sincere though, right? Yeah, yeah, he's sincere. Like he thought you really were. That's so sweet. You know, I should let him live with that for a while, and then one day he'll sad, have the sad <laughs> revelation that I w- it wasn't a quarterback for the Raiders. But oh, that's so sweet. And I can tell him stories. I could just be like, "It was a cold day in Buffalo in 1992, and the Bills, <laughs> the Bills were undefeated." But I went in there with a certain amount of confidence, son. You know. What did you make for dinner last night? That that allowed you to bore them with your stories. Oh, I asked my wife. I said, what do you want? And she goes, I want some tri-tip. And I want some baked yams. And what was, what was, what was, and Brussels sprouts. That's what she wanted. So. Oh, that's a pretty good dinner. Yeah. So me, I went out and I got the ingredients and I cooked it up and, uh, you know, and it was good. I ate it and I was chuffed. Upworthy (laughs) Weekly. We all follow people online. And we do it because they make us laugh or they inspire us or maybe because, you know, we have a crush on them. But who do those people follow? Every week on the Follow Friday podcast, you'll find out. It's a guide to the best people on the Internet. Past guests have included Song Exploder host Rishikesh Hirway, YouTube star Tom Scott, New York Times writer Kara Swisher, and many more. Search for Follow Friday in your podcast app now or go to followfridaypodcast.com. Upworthy Weekly. Fox News viewers changed their minds after getting paid to watch CNN for a month. David Brockman of Stanford and Joshua Kalla of Yale conducted a study where they paid regular Fox News viewers $15 an hour to watch CNN for around seven hours a week for a month. The researchers then surveyed them about their political beliefs and knowledge of current events. And the research was done in the fall of 2020, which was during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic and the lead up to the presidential election. When the participants were polled, researchers found that there were five percentage points more likely to believe that people suffered from long term COVID. Six points more likely to believe that other countries did a better job of controlling the virus and seven points more likely to support voting by mail. After switching to a steady diet of CNN, they were less likely to agree that, quote, if Donald Trump did something bad, Fox News would discuss it. So the poll was interesting in that it showed that people who are stuck in an echo chamber will actually, you know, start to see things differently if they're just exposed to new information. Um, So it's kind of a, a cool thing on Upworthy. We don't really do political stuff anymore, but we do like to follow stories about people evolving or changing their minds or, you know, people getting out of these weird entrenched positions that people have these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, some people, instead of getting hanitized or what do they call it, you get hanitized. Um, they were hanitized. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're turning on to Don Lemon and um, it, it changed their mind. So I think the, uh, I think the cool thing is that we can maybe get out of this terrible, you know, time of polarization that people just give a little bit and try to hear other sides. Um, it also 
the study also frightened me because the idea of having to sit and watch cable news at any point in my life right now. (laughs) Not even for $105 a week? No, no, I don't know if I could do it. I'd I'd rather sit on something sharp than have to sit and watch cable news. Because I think like I think cable news has slowly just gotten worse and worse and worse. Like it, it used to be like kind of just not completely like affirmation of one's views when they turn it on. Like CNN used right. to not quite be that far that way, but now I right. last time I've tuned in, it's just like all right, I can't even ingest any of this because you know, and Fox is horrible, and MSNBC is like the latest scandal, and then they mm-hmm. go on it forever, and then nothing happens. <laughs> you know so yes i've happily uh, stopped watching cable news but right. it made me it made me wonder allison what was the last thing mm. that you changed your mind on are you oh, capable God. of changing your mind at this point in life i'm pretty entrenched um the last oh that's such a good that's such a good uh question you know, I, oh, this is such a, what a, what an unsatisfying answer I'm going to give because I do, I do feel like there's things I've said. Well, okay. I know I'm all over the place. Um, I find that I go back and forth a bit on gun stuff. Um, I am, ve- I've always been very, very, very anti-gun, um, and yet, when I get very afraid, I find myself thinking, but would I feel more safe if we had a gun? Um, but I can't imagine us actually getting one, unless you mean me harm, in which case I'm heavily armed, you should know. But, you know, like at the beginning of, I remember, well, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, is this the time that we should? get one i don't know and by the way that was a very common thought like i remember the gun store had such a huge line but i also remember when elliot was a baby um i we the apartment we lived in um was very long and i was in the back of the apartment and daniel wasn't home and i was rocking elliot and i was thinking like i'm all alone with this baby here and you know what if like i i but but what am I going to do with a gun still? But I, I don't know. I just, I'm just saying I find like that one is a little it's I I probably could be swayed on that one a little bit. Um that's that's one where yeah, I could be swayed a little bit. Um I used to be I I used to be very very um very 100% sure of how I felt and I and I find myself getting swayed a little bit that I also used to be very um I, I was a, t- a, a complete I mean I'm talking about when I was a child but I was a complete pacifist like I was against any form of like military any form of violence any form of war any of that and I think that's a beautiful notion but uh, but in terms of foreign policy I don't believe that works um so you're pro-Putin so right now (laughs) yeah I think he's doing great work um no I mean I how lovely it would be if we could just have no arms and have no military and have and have peace but sadly I do think you have to show force in order to not be attacked and I don't really know I think foreign policy is so 
complicated. I don't know what the answer is, but I don't anymore believe that the answer is to have no military. You right. know, that's what I thought when I was nine. Um, I wish it were. I wish it were that simple. It's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The gun thing is always like not my jam, but like, who am I to tell somebody else that they can't protect themselves or? Who am I? Who am I to tell a guy who lives in a bad neighborhood where there's a lot of crime? Nah, you can't have a gun. You can't protect yourself from you know uh, crime that's going on. I've found that personally, the the old I've evolved towards like being a lot more. I think it was a guy Nick Gillespie who's a writer that I really like, and he always oh, says, "Oh yeah, from Reason." Yeah, he always says, "I'm pro-choice on everything." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's kind of, I feel it's like a first principle of mine that I've developed that, I, you know, it's not my job to tell anybody else how to live. And, uh, you know, and where previously I would hope everybody in the world thought and acted just like me. And and now I'm right. like, oh, we should foster a world where everybody can be their full selves, uh, no matter what that is, as long as, you know, you're not being a terrible, violent human being. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing I changed my mind on, and this is, this is going to cause some controversy. This is you know Upworthy Weekly at Upworthy.com. Uh, I used to be a staunch uh, supporter of Hebrew National hot dogs. I only ate Hebrew oh. National. Okay. Only ate Hebrew National. That was what, what you find in my home. If you came over to Todd Perry's house for a barbecue, you get Hebrew National. That was it. About three years ago, I bought myself a pack of Nathan's kosher dogs mm, and yeah. i'm not going back to the hebrew national it's just a superior hot dog and i was quiet about it for a while i didn't tell my friends you know okay. but you know there's a there's a length difference in the two hot dogs so i um i'm an athens man now and i'm proud to say it and i don't care who knows it is is it a texture thing a taste thing What's the difference? It's just a tasting. I think the beef is tastier. Like a, a, a Hebrew national tastes kind of drab compared to a, a juicy Nathan's hot dog. Huh. Yeah. Wow. You know, I did change mascaras. I was loyal to one mascara and I did change. I was loyal to Lancome Definicels and I switched to Thrive Cosmetics. So I did change my mind. That's, that was a big deal. Did you tell people or did you keep it to yourself for a while? I did. No, I kept it for a little while, but then I'm like, I'm not going to gatekeep. And then I did talk about it on the show. Well, the thing is, I noticed show. I noticed your mascara looked a little bit different from one show to the next. Yeah. And it was, it was, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, some people that come out of the closet and he's like, yeah, we all know. Right. That's yes. the way it kind of was. And there, I remember around 2017, you switched your foundation. You didn't talk about mm. it. Everybody else was talking about it. Everybody knew it. Right. Who's she fooling? You had to wait till I was ready to own it, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. Allison Rosen. Yeah. On a scale of one to five. I'm loving this so much. I'm loving this music so much. I just want to jump out of your skin. One being awful, five being completely transplanted. Right your week. This week was a 2.5. It was busy. It was hard. 
our nanny is sick, um, which is tough for us. And also it's bad for her. Um, I'm just kidding. I feel bad for her. It's like you got to raise. It's hard on that. You got to raise your own Mm -hmm. kids. That's not. It's so unnatural. Yeah. It's It's not what nature intended. Yeah. What do I feed them? Yeah. Are they normally like getting breastfed? What's, what's your name? Who are you again? How does it? Well, yeah, I've got a text her all the time asking her. Quit? No, I'm just kidding. I I I know who they are and how it works, but it's just hard when you also um yeah um there's just it's just been it's just more there's just more juggling of stuff because you know Daniel and I both work um. So that, uh, and then I had to go to the dentist and I'm sure there's people in the world who like going to the dentist. Mm. I'm not one of them. I just have a thing about people with their hands and their tools and their water and suction and all that stuff and gloves and all that in my mouth. I... Be in any other part of my body, but it's just so close to my brain and my nose and my ears and all the important, like the control center of my body, I feel is my face. (laughs) It's really the nerve. It's where it, it all happens. I imagine for some people it's their butt or whatever, but like for me, the... (laughs) <laughs> excuse me is <laughs> I feel that's not going to make it into the show is <laughs> my is my th- uh, is my face so um I just it I just have a real thing about it so I just didn't uh I just don't like it and it was fine but it was early in the morning it was down in Orange County because I'm a silly person who goes to Orange County for these things uh so that just uh, just made me it just cratered the rating of the week down to two point five. That was my week. You know when the dentist gets around my butt is when usually I get a little <laughs> uncomfortable too. Yeah, right. Their teeth down there. Is this how it has to happen? Yeah, that's how we do it in COVID times. Do you have to go in through the exit? Not the the entrance is <laughs> is your business area. You're founding a really yeah. just wild way of getting to the. The good right. stuff here. It seems strange. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't judge. I mean, they, the guy's got like a thing. It's like he went to Berkeley or something to learn how to do this. So, right. You know, I, I, don't, I don't judge, but, you know. He's the expert. Are He's you got a headlamp. Better, are you a better person than you were last week? No, I think I'm worse, actually. Because uh, remember, I was all, oh, I started a newsletter. I'm, I think of myself, I'm a podcaster now, but I think of myself truly as a writer. And if there's something you do, you should, blah, 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 blah. that was me. <laughs> anyway, I was religious about that newsletter for four weeks. Every week I put it out. And then I went on vacation. I even did one from Hawaii. And then I got back and I fell off and I have my rough draft <clears throat> sitting on my computer, but I just, I missed my weekly sending it out and I got to get back on that horse uh, and I just got to send it out. But I don't know what happened. I like lost the rhythm of it. And then I'm like, people aren't going to mind. 
And I don't, I, I don't think they mind. I don't think it's been going on long enough that people are expecting it or anything. But still, I, I am expecting it. And so I'm just mad at myself that I haven't kept it up. Because, like, my Alice Rose is your new best friend. I've been doing it for 100,000 years. And I've n- never missed an episode. It is oh, in the whole time I've done it. Like, I'm very proud of my consistency. And this newsletter, not so much. So anyway, that's that. Do you feel like if you missed one episode of Allison Rosen as your new best friend that then you continuously miss episodes because you're like, well, nothing really terrible happened. I miss it, you know, uh, right. and then it would send May- you down a dark path. Maybe because that seems to be what's happening with this newsletter. Um, I mean, no, that's not going to happen with the newsletter, though. I'm not going to let it. It's too important to just me. <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know. I think someone beat it into my head really early on that consistency is one of the most important things with podcasts. Yeah. But I don't even know nowadays. I mean, the podcast landscape has changed so much since when I first started. I don't even know that it's like that anymore. I think it is, though. It's it's way weird. I <laughs> as 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 we've been learning. Um Yes. What about you, Todd? On a scale of 1 being awful to five being transplendent, which by the way, I don't think transplendent is a word, but I'm going to let it go. Uh, how was your week? My week, it was, there was some positive and some negative, but it came out to a 2.5 because I've been, uh, uh, samesies. Yeah. Jinx, twins, whatever. <laughs> but like, I, I was really like kicked in the gut by the death of Gilbert Gottfried this week. I, yes. I, because I religiously listened to his podcast, uh, Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, and for the unfamiliar, it was him and this guy, Frank Santo Padre, and they basically interviewed like old celebrities, like people that are no longer in their prime, and like, you know, if you if you were on the show, you had a, like a 35% chance of dying within the next six months, but they talked about old-timey Hollywood and old movies, and Gilbert Gottfried was like a like a savant when it comes to this stuff. And the show was extremely well-researched and really well done. And I loved it. It had its own in-jokes, and it had a great Facebook group because it attracted a really cool crowd of people that all shared a similar sense of humor that posted cool stuff. And he just built this really cool community around that show. And I, I loved it. And so it's this thing where you realize the power of this when it's when it's done right is people have such a connection to people when they hear them in this intimate way through this medium that when he died it was like it felt like a a big part of my life i just look forward to every Mm -hmm. monday putting that show on having a glass of wine having a vodka having a beer maybe another vodka whatever and then and cooking and listening to gilbert gottfried and frank santo padre and my wife running to the other room to not have to hear gilbert gottfried uh talk um (laughs) Yeah, and I just I just thought as a com- comedian he was like one of the most hilarious people who ever lived, and yeah, it would, I kept thinking about it. I was like just looking at the Facebook page, and I I cried after Gilbert Gottfried died, mm-hmm. you know, and you know I loved him when he was on Howard Stern back in the day. He was incredible, and I think also there was a point where he was the last person alive that could that had the permission pretty much to joke about anything. Yeah. He was that last guy who, had, the the last man standing, the last of a generation, you know, that Gilbert Gottfried was allowed to joke about anything and it was okay. And 
no matter how soon, no matter what. And, you know, in, in a world that's becoming increasingly hostile towards comedy, like, it's okay to hit people for making jokes these days. Um, Gilbert yeah, Gottfried was yeah. like a, a, a guy who was like a, a barrier to that. And so it was like a, a an intersection of like 10 different things happened when he died. So mm-hmm. that bummed me out. On the positive side, friend of mine, and this is going to lean into the am I a better person. Okay. So then I'll point to you, then you ask me the question. Okay. Okay. You got it? I like the choreography. I think right. I can Ooh, do it. This Help. is a little stressful. Okay. I know. All right. Um, got to really pay attention here. So the good news was that my friend, Saul the Punk Rock Accountant, bought me a super nice, like, high-end, Grateful Dead Hawaiian shirt. Oh, that's nice. He went to this store, it's called Ray Spooner or something, and it's like really nice Hawaiian shirts, and the guy, he bought himself a Dodgers one, and then he was just like, you know, Todd, uh, I thought I thought, thought you'd like this. So he came over and he gifted me this beautiful shirt, and it was such just a nice thing for a friend to do. It was beautiful. And I'm pointing. That's really nice. And I'm pointing. Todd, you don't... Tr- well, your your hand is off, Cam. Um, but thankfully, you told me you were pointing. Are you a better person than you were the week before? Well, here's the thing. I don't know if you feel this way, but when people do nice things for me, I feel guilty as hell. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I, I do. I always do. My wife's the same way. Like, if someone does something nice for us, like, we're miserable all week because uh, <laughs> we, feel, we feel guilty or we feel <laughs> obligated or like, yeah. oh my God, they didn't have to do that. Seriously, they bought me a really nice shirt. Like, geez. And it was just, and it was just the guy did it. Say, hey, I'm your friend. I thought you'd look yeah. in this. So it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And but then I, I immediately, I was like, I felt bad. Just, oh, now I, oh, I gotta, I gotta get him something nice now too. Now when it went to obligation, right? And then, then I thought, no, I shouldn't feel obligated to my friend. He did something nice for right. me, but this is not a transactional relationship, you know. It's not a no. quid pro quo, you know. It's it's he not just a to get you a shirt. Not a I did you a favor, and now you have to go and and kill someone for me or something like a mob favor, you know. Um, <laughs> so so then I I was like, no, I'm not doing anything. I'm just gonna accept this gracious gift, and uh, that's it. So I thought that actually I was a better person because I was able to accept something, which I think showed a certain amount of personal growth and to not feel guilty. Yes. And why do I have such low self-esteem that someone does something nice right. for me and that I feel bad about it? What What the hell is wrong yes. here? I deserve nice things. I'm amazing. You deserve I'm- a Rain Spooner Grateful Dead shirt. Is it one of those shirts where it's like the colors are more saturated on the inside and it's more muted on the outside? Yes, yes. It's a nice shirt. Uh, nice, I'll wear it. I'll it sounds it nice. Show, you know. Listen, if I were your therapist, I would probably, I mean, it would take multiple sessions to get to this, but my hunch is in your family of origin, there was a lot of subtext and a lot of obligation and a lot of like nothing was really what it seemed. And so there were a lot of expectations and you know, maybe a gift wasn't really a gift. You didn't things were expected in return and stuff. Is that right? No. What? <laughs> I think my mom just made me feel guilty about everything. 
Oh, well, there that okay, that 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 could also be it. And there was also like a low level we don't deserve nice things attitude going on. Oh, that could also be it. Yeah. Yeah, it was like that kind of like cheap people mentality. Got it. I was raised with that. Sure. So, you know, I think I think it was that. But I you know, I really appreciate it, you know, and I know you've been to a lot of therapy <laughs> and maybe yeah. you're projecting uh something. I I don't know. Oh, look who is uh, the therapist now. <sighs> Oh, yeah. No, I am projecting, though. This is my pipe. <laughs> now, is that just a pipe? Because sometimes a pipe is just a pipe. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Upworthy Weekly this week. And I'd like to thank the wonderful Allison Rosen for stopping by and spending some time with us and spreading all of her psychobabble. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.